0: Today we celebrate. Hello, 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 and welcome to More Than Money, a podcast where we have nuanced conversations about money, business, and life, where we take the time to explore the intersections of the psychology and emotions of money while respecting the math of it. Because you know, these are the elements that impact your results, your feelings, and your experiences. I'm your host, Jacquette Timmons, and I am really, really glad you've taken the time to tune in today, especially because we've reached an incredible milestone. You are listening to our 100th episode. Whether you are joining me for the very first time today whether you've joined me for all of the episodes or some number in between, I thank you so very, very much for taking this journey with me. I truly appreciate it because if you weren't coming back to listen, we wouldn't keep coming back to create more content and to share the airwaves with you. And I couldn't think of a better way to celebrate this moment than by commemorating the person who planted the seed for this podcast. And that is none other than Karen Hunter. You may know Karen as the host of the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM, or maybe you know her as the Pulitzer Prize winning journalist, as a co-author of several celebrity books, as an activist, or maybe as a professor. Today, I hope you'll come to know why she is special to me, why I am so incredibly grateful to her for how she lives her life, runs her various businesses, and for how she supports me and others and sharing her platform so that we can then reach folks that we wouldn't be able to reach on our own efforts alone. I hope you'll get to understand and see why i really appreciate her vision so without further ado here is my conversation with karen hunter to help me and you celebrate the 100th episode of more than money now you have to say yes okay yes (laughs) it's all good but i am so so excited um, for us to chat today and to have this be a part of the celebration for the 100th episode of more than money which would not exist it would have
1: existed I told my mother the other day she was
0: like you wouldn't be here without me I said
1: trust and believe lady this spirit was coming through <laughs> stop stop playing with me come on now be nice to mama I've called her every day since the pandemic which if you know you didn't
0: used to call her every day I so called my mother every day. You you
1: and your mother were friends. Y'all were y'all were buddies. You you know y'all y'all were ch- you know mm-hmm. like my my college roommate um told her mother when she lost her virginity and I was like what? You called your mother? Who does that? I was like, "Oh yeah." And so I got to spend the summer um that summer and I understood her mother was
0: so chill. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> No, I was in my I was in my late forties, and still, when my mother would come to visit, and if we would stay at my boyfriend at the Times house, he would sleep in the basement. <laughs> there was nothing, okay. you know. Yeah.
1: yeah, well, it doesn't sound like though that your mother was judgy. You just were respectful. You didn't want her to. be yes.
0: are having yeah. sex. Yeah, so yeah. that's a totally different. System. Yeah, totally different. Totally different. So what I wanted to talk about are a number of different things because um, we didn't know each other before I came into the studio. Do you remember what you first said to me that day? I don't remember. I don't even know how you ended up on the show. So I ended up on the show because the year prior, um, the, the, I guess the Black Employees Network for Sirius XM they did a a fishbowl, a panel in that fishbowl. And it was, um, what is it? I think it was black economic empowerment in the era of Trump or something like that, or the era of 46. And I was one of the people that was on the panel. And then that's when I met uh, Jameson. Okay. And Jameson was like, you need to come on Karen's show. And I was like, perfect. Let's make it happen. And what was really funny was that's also the year that I was doing two multi-city tours and on one of my trips to the airport, I saw Jameson on the train.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And now he was like, oh my God, we have to make this happen. And so we made it happen. And I get to the studio, I get there early, but you were pissed at the guest that came on before me. <laughs> and when I came into your, your, your studio, you looked at me and you were like, you better be good. <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, that could have happened, you know, yeah, you know, that, that radio space on Sirius XM, uh, and it's all my spaces. I'm, I'm very authentic and I'm fiercely wildly protective of the audience. Um, you know, it's not performance, but I want to make sure that they get value from the guests that I have on, because I don't have to have a guest. I don't have to have a co-host. So for me, anybody that I bring into that studio, cause they should be bringing it for this audience. Right. Well, you, know, you know, cause I could, I could do all of the things, you know, right. so that, that's why, that's the only time I get angry. If people come in and not prepared, they don't know what they're talking about. I can't tell you how many comedians have been on the show and not been funny. And I'm oh. like, I, I should not be funnier than you.
0: That's very true. So, so. that's how we met. <laughs> and my response was, I got you. <laughs> no,
1: I, no, you weren't cocky though.
0: Oh, no. I wasn't cocky. I would never be yeah. cocky. No, you oh, didn't no. do that though. You, but you did, you did show up. I do yeah, yeah, remember. yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to always be prepared. <laughs> yeah. yes, always be prepared. So no, 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 no. I would never like say I got you like that because that would be a, a way of being disrespectful and that's just not how I roll. <laughs> oh, no.
1: I think you looked at me and smiled if I remember now. I have a horrible memory. So let me just say that out loud. Um, which is both good and bad because I've rarely, I have people in my life that have to remind me of the wrongs people did to me. Cause I'll totally forget. And I'll be back in a relationship or back in a situation. they were like, do you remember in 1989 <laughs> with that? I was like, no, not over. oh yes. So now I do. <laughs> after this, so I keep people around me who can get, have the receipts because right. I forget. And, and right. it's another reason why I'm, I don't lie. Because I'll absolutely forget the lie that I told. So okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to bluntly tell you the
0: truth. So. Oh my goodness! But we had a really great conversation, and then a couple of days later, you were like, "Have you ever thought about?" And I was like, "I thought about it, but it <laughs> didn't get past that." And then you were like, "We'll put together some ideas," and so I did. And then we did our first show in April. I think yeah, that's April. Know. Yeah, April, April 2019. And now we're here.
1: Here's the beautiful studio that was upstairs.
0: Yes, yep. And now we are here. And so I wanted to celebrate that by chatting with you about what I have observed from afar. And it is absolutely your interest and love of telling stories. But also coupled with that, I perceive a really fierce... Uh, commitment to ownership. Ownership of your stories or or people owning their stories. Um, Ownership in terms of just assets. Um, And so I've got some questions around you and uh, around that for you. Um, How that connects to power. And then also there's just a really strong collaborative spirit. That's what I see. And so one of the things I wanted to do is to kind of just back up for a little bit and talk about your backstory and ask what inspired your study of literature. Was it a personal experience? Was it a person?
1: I don't know that I have this passion for literature, but I do was telling a friend of mine, you know, when I was growing up, I was uh, a kid with a lot of mouth and I was also big. I didn't act like kids. Like I had a very adult, because my parents were, you know, young parents, and they, you know, took me everywhere, and I was involved in adult conversation when I probably shouldn't have been, and then I was a little smart, so the kids my age, I was also this size in the sixth grade, so I was always the biggest kid in the class, which I talk about frequently, because, you know, it, it there's a level of maturity that's foisted upon you when you look like the teacher. Mm-hmm. Bought a size nine shoe at nine, ten shoe at. T- I remember like I had to go get a size ten, and I couldn't wear the jellies because they didn't come in in my size. The little jellies that the kids. I remember those. Had. And by the time I got to a size eleven, it was impossible at eleven to find shoes, and just being tortured by my mother going shopping for you know clothes that didn't fit, um, and just hurt just anything that fits, and I'm like I still gotta be in these spaces with people. So, anyway, um, so I found reading uh, was a great escape. And, you know, and especially those little naughty books like Judy Bloom and Judith Krantz and, you know, The Incubus and The Succubus. And then I discovered Stephen King. And I was like, you know, so it was a a dark thing. At the same time, you know, uh, Roots, I read the whole entire book. I think I was in the fifth grade because my fifth grade teacher had it as an assignment. And I was like, I want to read the book. And then I went and the pocketbook was like this thick, you know, the paperback, because that's what I could afford. And um, I read it and I was so proud of myself. It was the first time I read a book that was more than 500 pages. And and I was into puzzles and I would make rugs and I sewed, I made a, you know, like I was into building and creating. I took every door in my home down and stripped it and then, then stained them and shellacked them and put them back um like as a project I was a teenager but I'm just like my father came home I was like oh okay like (laughs) wasn't like a love of literature I just like I like to see things I like to to explore different things and see them to fruition so I think that that uh and reading was just easy because it allowed me to go places and you know be in my own headspace which was cool
0: and And what made you i I was reading somewhere that the college you attended it had the nickname of being in the forest. What made you attend uh, oh. a school that was
1: so remote, hilarious. Um, <laughs> they just they just called because they're doing a whole like um narrative around every every uh, alum has to do a narrative. So I was asked that question, why did I go to Drew and I was like, I didn't get into Princeton or Brown. I was like, okay. That's the real answer, (laughs) y'all. So so I didn't get into Princeton. I was on the waiting list at Brown. And I went to a school that had like 250 girls and uh, the valedictorian got, you know, they're not going to take more than one kid from a school that only has 250 kids. So somebody already got in Princeton. Kim, Kim Banks got into Princeton. I didn't make it into Princeton. I only applied to three schools, Princeton Brown and St. John's. I got into St. John's, my mother was like, you're not gonna go to New York because they don't have a dorm and I'm not sending you to New York to be in an apartment. You can forget about it. And right. I'm like, but, 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 she was right. like, nope. So she came home with this brochure that they had been sending me for like a year. Drew had been sending me these brochures. So she filled out the, my mother filled out the application, set up the interview. My mother's that person. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the thing at the admissions office. They admitted me on the spot because my, wow. you know, my father had money, so uh, and he was paying full ride. And so that was the first time I learned about money, power, and the ability to be able to more than race. Your money allows you to do to have access to things. Uh, and because my father was wealthy, I was able to get into a school. I had good grades and good scores, so it wasn't like they right. just let me in because I, because right. you know, I because I had money, but it made it easier, right, you know, right. So, so that's how I ended up at Drew, and it was twenty five minutes from my house which means I could go home and stash my report card before my parents got it, switch the grades and then be able to come back and then pretend like I was there. You were that student. You were that student? Yes, I could go back home and play video games and
0: then be back. (laughs) You were mischievous. Yes, very, very. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, thank you for that. Um, Another thing that I noticed is that you seem to be intentional about everything that you do. And like I said before, that collaboration is really important. And one of the things I was curious about is you've co-authored a number of books. And I was curious, were you, how intentional were you about the co-authors? And what about their stories made their stories interesting to you?
1: So I started writing books while I was on the editorial page of the Daily News um and at the same time i was writing features for the daily news to get extra money and free cds and tickets to concerts and things because that's those are the perks when you start writing those things and on one of those interviews i was doing for the daily news i i uh, had lunch with ll cool j he was doing his first movie where it was going to be revealed that you know what was under the hat because he had never taken the hat off so this was a big deal So I'm interviewing him and we were hitting it off. We're in Long Island near his home and it was just wonderful. And at the end of the interview, I said, hey, your story is so interesting. Have you ever thought about doing a book? So I just asked him because before, as I was leaving, um, I had a a, a attorney named Ed, I shouldn't even say his name. Anyway, he was was the the subject of Bonfires of the Vanity. So I'll just say that y'all can figure it out who wanted to represent me. And he was like, I need you to do a book. I need you to do a book. And so what do you do? I'm like, I'm getting ready to go to, to talk with Alakou cool J. Ask him if he wants to do a book. And I was like, all right. So I did. And he was like, I said, so let's do a book together. He's like, okay. Now I'm sure he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm a I'm a pretty semi-aggressive person. So I didn't let that go. I made an appointment with his manager who was there, Charles. His name is Charles. Stayed in his ear. Got the lawyer to get the publisher, wrote a proposal. Wrote a proposal. I did a mm-hmm. proposal. They said it was the best proposal they had ever written. I'd never done a proposal before. So I just started writing a book. And I gave them two chapters of the book that I imagined. And uh, we got a book deal. I never forget. We went to Washington. LL was performing for Clinton. That's how far back that is. Wow. At his inauguration. And we met him in L in, in DC with the publisher, with the agent. And they signed, they they didn't sign, but they did that book deal. And it was the most money they gave to a rapper. And that actually laid the foundation for all other rap. Any rapper out there that got money, you can thank me. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> now, what I learned from that, I didn't have a collaboration agreement with him. So the publisher was like, You've never done a book before. We're gonna get a seasoned writer. What? Oh. Wow. And, and his people are like, well, since you never did a book before work for hire. What? It ended up being a New York times bestseller. I probably would have made a lot of money. Instead. I got like $20,000 plus bonuses. Right. That was the springboard, which shaped everything that I did after that. When you collaborate with somebody you know, it, you may pour your energy and your spirit and all that. And, and to his credit, he he was one of the best people I've ever worked with in terms of just being creative and brilliant. And, all this, and I've said this before, but it's his story. It's not my story. That's his book. It's not my book. Right. And once I made that adjustment, it became so easy for me because my job is to tell your story. It's right. not about me, you know, 25-year-old Karen, 26-year-old Karen. It's about LL Cool J and your job is to service and, and put him in the best light because autobiographies are not like journalism stories, you know, where it's whatever, it's all of the stuff. This is his, his legacy. So it's going to put him in a certain kind of light. We took some things out that probably shouldn't have ever be in anybody's books, you know, because he gave okay. it all mm-hmm. uh, and we're like, mm, that's not going to last. That's not going to look well a hundred years from now. Right, but right. but that was the other thing. It allowed me to also take a bird's eye view of like, this is a book that's gonna be in the annals of history. People a hundred years from now are going to read it. What is the message that you want to present? Now we're both in our twenties. We we didn't live a whole lot of life. He's lived a lot more than I have, but there's a story here that 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 can change or shift or inspire. And let's find a couple of those nuggets sprinkled in with the salacious stuff because you need that teaspoon of sugar and a ratchet to help the medicine go down. And that became my formula. And even how I do, did books after that, because I'm not really doing that anymore. But that became the formula for how I did every book after that, which led to a lot of successful projects.
0: So from the books, now I want to switch to the hub. So how did you curate the talent? Because I see that you've got Coach Cass, you've got Lurie Daniel Favors, you have me, I'm not sure if there are other folks, but how did you decide who to bring into the hub? So
1: initially, initially the hub is a collection of voices uh, that I imagine, so the hub.news is a website that is devoted to uh, news and views throughout the diaspora. And that has, that's a nonprofit that's growing. The the podcast, I imagine being seven women. I wanted, you know, seven's the number of completion. I wanted a collection of seven women to hit all aspects of money. So my, my whole motto is healthy, wealthy, wise is what I want for everybody who comes into my spaces. So I want you to leave there healthier, wealthier, and wiser. So we, we're gonna give you information and knowledge, uh, foundational knowledge, history, and of course, there's gonna be money, money conversations and then. Uh, you know, health conversations. So I had this kind of vision of seven dope women talking and I had mine and uh, my podcast. And then it shifted because, um, you know, personalities, you know, you, you're dealing with a lot of different personalities and podcasting is really, I won't say it's spiritual, but it it is different than radio. You know, successful podcasting is about connecting with people because you're usually in people's earbuds while they're doing things, whether they're running or they're at work. And it's a very intimate kind of experience, quite different than radio, which is more like how theater is versus the movies, you know, like that's kind of the relationship. So I'm still figuring that out. Um, And I haven't hit the rhythm yet, but I also am giving the universe time or myself time to catch up with what the universe wants from this because I think there's a lot of noise in the podcast space and it's just really about finding your, your audience and your niche and what people are looking for. But I'm also, I'm inspired by Oprah. Uh, I use this example a lot, you know, at the height of her, of her success on television, she had uh, a two-year dip when, you know, Maury Povich and um, freaking uh, Jerry Springer and, and all of these kind of, you know, ratchet Jenny Jones and Ricky, like everybody was doing ridiculous over the top talk shows mm-hmm. and Oprah refused to do that. Mm-hmm. And her ratings dropped because people want candy, children want candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They want it. Right. But then they realized my tummy hurts. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sick. And then Oprah came back because if you stayed the course with what it is your core, so I'm, I'm in that space right now where the world is in, you know overrun by gossip and just nonsense, self-help, self-motivation, self this, self that, but without a whole lot of feeding. And I feel like if we continue to feed people, eventually they'll realize that this is junk food. And over here, I'm gonna actually get some real food. And I just have to make sure that y'all are ready when the shift happens. So I'm I'm playing a, a a long game. It's not a game at all for me, but I'm I'm seeing around the corner for where we need to be and where we have to head and where we're gonna go. Um, and I want the the team that's here, the people that are part of this, to be ready when that happens. So you know, you are super consistent, uh, and super you know on point, professional. Your 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 podcasts are amazing. It's going to take people a minute to realize. And a part of that is I'm not promoting. So that's the other thing. Like you can spend a lot of money getting your your name out there, but I want people to find this.
0: I know okay. that sounds like. Well, I want,
1: Yeah. You want it to be organic. Yeah. I want people to find what they're looking for that they didn't know was here in the noise
0: that's out there right now, which okay. is kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. So there's something that um, I'm hearing as a theme even when you were writing the book, especially when you were describing the collaboration with LL and and talking about what to take out versus what to leave in, excuse me. And even just now, you made reference to having this long-term perspective. Where'd that come from?
1: Life, Um, you know, we've all been young and impulsive and you want everything now. I've never been a patient person. I don't pray for it either, because Lord knows the the trials. will (laughs) come.
0: You're like, then you'll you'll get something to be patient
1: about, right? (laughs) Well, what I've learned is that, you know, if you're lucky, you get X amount of time on this earth and you want it to be valuable, you want it to matter, you want it to stand the test of time. So at a young age, because I was doing so many things so quickly, so young, Comparing myself to my classmates in high school and college, and I'm the most successful person at the, you know, Pulitzer Poke. I got all of these things. New. Oh, bestseller. I got to get another super competitive. At some point, you know, I got knocked on my ass and I realized that, oh, none of this matters, right? None of the act, yeah, my obituary Pulitzer Prize winning, blah, 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 bestseller, da, 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 da. That won't matter if you don't make an impact on the people that matter. So people matter. So I, I made a shift after I realized I left the daily news. Nobody was calling me to go to these concerts and stuff. And I was not getting those free CDs. I wouldn't get invited to the parties. I mean, I was at every, you know, everything. And I, right. I took it for granted. You know, it was the daily news that got me in. It wasn't Karen Hunter. Right. So I was like, all right, note to self, you know. And then I was out of radio. Thing, it's something that I loved. I love the, that, that's another level of intimacy, as I mentioned, but it's just... Right it's instant gratification too, because you got people calling. and right. Sending right. You, you get like, feedback immediately. <laughs> yes. oh, like, like the podcast, you got to wait for somebody to maybe email you or find you on Twitter right. or something. This is like, boom, boom, boom. You know you're making an impact. I realized then, all right, I'm out of radio for 10 years. Nope, my phone's not ringing. I can do books, but that's still kind of like I'm, I'm, somebody else is pouring into me, you know, and I'm... <sighs> like I'm taking on all, it's like therapy, but I'm not fulfilling myself, my destiny. So I realized I had to just take a beat and then figure out what is it that I'm here to do? I could write books, but is that am in my, am, do I get up every day thinking about writing? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. I do, that's not my thing. My thing is connecting people to the things they need in different ways. So the reason why these books are successful is because people can find something in them that feeds them. Right. Everything that I do, people have to get fed. Right. That brings me joy because now I feel like I'm contributing. Right. And that's a long-term thing because, you know, folk don't always realize what's good for them.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So speaking of everything that you do, you've got SiriusXM. You are a professor at Hunter College. You have Art Nineteen. You have the Hub. You do YouTube, and you do that. I think every Saturday, you have a publishing business. The thing that I I I feel that they all have in common is that they're outlets to help people see, express, and honor their power. Um, would you Would you agree with
1: that? Yeah, all of those are just vehicles to to reach, to for other people to reach people. So, so Sirius XM, I have a show, but I got there and I'm like, but this audience, they pay for Sirius XM, like the, they pay to get radio. It's not enough for them to pay to get radio and only get my three hours. Who else? So every co-host that I have coming in, for me, it's a grooming opportunity to have somebody build an audience using my show and then... I approached them after, you know, I showed some success and said, let me program the rest of the channel. They were like, sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then I'm like, okay, let me put other talent in these seats. Now the caveat is I'm expecting everyone to sit in those seats to have the same mentality and not everyone. Some people are there for fame. They want fame, they want money, they want all of that. Now I work at series for free because I, I have a ref share deal. I only make money off the ads and they don't care about ads. They didn't. When I first, they're, they're subscription-based. That was my fault. Stupid didn't know the business model. I'm like, radio ads, duh. They're like, duh. That's like 5% of our business. We don't care about that. Right. And I don't have a salary. So I'm like, I got to figure this out. And once I figured it out, then it was like, okay, can I rinse and repeat? Can I duplicate myself? Can I duplicate this energy with different people who can reach different people? Right. So, Yes, I, I proved the model work. So I have four shows on Sirius XM and, um, and I say I have four shows, but those are people that came through my show. Clay Kane did a Sunday show for one hour. Boom. Opportunity open to do a daily show. One hour. Boom. Opportunity open to do two hours. He's in that seat right before me. Larry was on my show every Wednesday coming in from Brooklyn every Wednesday to sit with me for three hours. Amazing opportunity comes up, Marie Daniel favors, boom, she's got a radio show. And it's just been, you know, really br- Heather B. She's on uh, with Sway in the morning. And I'm like, this woman shouldn't, you know, not that she shouldn't be a sidekick, but she's funny, amazing. And it's a nice break because she's going to talk about drinking and food and all kind <laughs> of, you know, God. And it's going to be like all of that. And it's hip hop as well. And that's nice because black people are not monolithic. We should hear that. Clay Kane comes from a, you know, a trailer park in Washington, his mother's white, Washington state, his father's black from Philly, he's got this duality of, you know, experiences that people can relate to, that's great, Drew's on the show, you know, he's got, you know, so it's like, you have all of these, these different people who are not me, and that's good, but the message is the same, because we're here to feed, we're here to serve, so. Yeah, that feels good. And the hub, same thing for me, you know, I'm sitting there as a journalist looking at news outlets and not knowing what's really going on in Haiti, what's really going on in Puerto Rico, what's really going on in Cuba. I don't really know because all of these media outlets have uh defunded their uh international, you know, investigative reporting bureaus. And so my job now is to make sure that we know what's going on. So I have a writer that's in Brazil, Cedric, who's on the ground, talking to black activists whose lives are on the line, writing for us. We just did a, a collaboration with Belly of the Beast in Cuba, on the ground in Cuba, Liz and them, out there doing God's work. Um, we have a Haitian, the Haitian Times coming through, and it's just, you know, now I feel like, you know, I'm servicing us. But at the same time, I'm giving voice to people who may have a platform, but it's over here. It's in these corners. And now it's broader. I bring them on the radio show as well. That magnifies it. Rinse and repeat. So it's all one thing. Teaching is the same thing. I teach. It's the same thing I do on the radio. It's the exact same thing. The same energy with fewer people. Right. So now, you know, so there's no, I don't have to get up for it. Narrative, which is the newest thing that I launched in March, started, it was going to be my publishing house, my new publishing house, where we're going to be telling our stories. And then the pandemic hit and I'm having these amazing conversations with Dr. Gray Carr. And I'm like, can we, can I hit record and share? He's was like, sure. I mean, it's amazing. During the course of a week, 30 to 50,000 people show up to hear two black people talk about <laughs> history. And now we have a whole website. We're about to launch a social media platform as well because there are no safe spaces for us to com- you know, come together as community and figure out, all right, we're moving to this farm community together. We got, I got this grow thing over here. Who's, you know, think tank. How do we build, how do we protect ourselves? You know, we can't all do the memes and stuff on Twitter and the clapbacks. This is a safe space with no trolls. We need that. So I got to build it because we don't have it. And as far as narrative, I'm looking at it at like a pyramid, the pyramid of Giza, 4000 years still standing. And they looted it and stripped it down, it's still standing because the architecture of it from the beginning was designed to last a stand the test of time. Our institutional memory has been destroyed, disrupted. Somebody's got to build it back. All right. I I I'm we we're going we we're going to do it. And it's not me because I don't have the capacity to do it by myself. So Right, thank right. thank goodness people are coming with a brick. Somebody else got a brick. Somebody's got the little thing. They're measuring. Okay, we got it. All right, let's go.
0: Right. I'm gonna gather. I'm gonna make sure everything is done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, and so in that regard, you strike me as the person that everyone goes to. Um that everyone goes to. And so I'm curious, who do you go to? Like uh-huh. I don't think i
1: the person to everybody. I don't think people. I don't think people want to. Because I'm brutally honest, I think people are afraid to come to me. Really? Yeah, yeah. People don't want to hear from me. <laughs> I, and I even say this: you don't want to hear from me. Like in a situation, like you don't want that phone call. But um, yeah. I,
0: I'm not, yeah, I'm not the, like, I have to have a conversation tomorrow with somebody. So so in other words, as long as, if I don't hear from you, what do they say? No news is good news. So no call is a good thing.
1: (laughs) Because if I have, I have all of these things that I'm doing, if you're on my radar for something, I got to, you know, challenge you with, I don't want to do that. Like, do your thing. You got the plan. Do it. Be good. I don't, I'm not micromanaging. I'm not sitting there. Well, you, you know, Jaquette in the last episode, you said um 15 times and no one has time. We're going to work it out. Perfection is a process. You're going to get, the more you do, you're going to put them 10,000 hours and you're going to get better and more comfortable and better and better and better at it. I'm not going to sit over you micromanaging your your vision for who you are. Right. But if I got to come in, <laughs> I got time to say it nice. That's all I'm saying. So, um, but who do I go to? I got... Fortunately, I have, um, at least two good friends that will cuss me out and I need that or who will, like I said, I have a memory keeper, somebody that's like, you girl, you know, that that person stole money from you. You don't remember that? I'm like, no, I don't remember. Okay. Thank you. No, you're not doing business with him. He stole money from you in 1998. You don't remember. I was like, okay. So I have that person. And then I have, um, You know, someone that I, and and truthfully, I don't, I don't emote a lot. Like I'm not someone that's like, I don't stay in a cycle of complaint. And I I also feel that I'm not gonna give energy or voice to something. You know, it's like the people that just, you know, this person did this to me, they did this to me, they did this and this happened and this happened and and these people, they're gonna pay and, you know, and Mm you want a sounding board. First of all, I don't wanna give that to somebody. Mm-hmm. and you you would say well you got to get it off your chest no you don't have to give because once you speak something into the universe it will not return void and this is the thing that i'm learning more and more so i'm very careful with the words that come out of my mouth in terms of you say intentionality so i'm intentionally not going to bitch and complain and i'm gonna say it just like that about something that i can't control mm-hmm. because now that's my focus and i got all of this i got 20 years of work to do I time for that we have finite we have a finite amount of energy. I'm probably not gonna make that phone call to bitch about something some thing that just happened <laughs> right That said, um there was a very powerful person that was offended by me. <laughs> And instead of calling me and saying that they were offended, because again, I'm going to say things, you asked me a question, I'm going to say it very, not going to be, no, I wonder how you're going to receive this. You'll receive it in the way in which I'm intending it, which is in love. It may not be beautiful. It's not going to have the flowers, not going to smell like perfume. You're just going to get it. I can't believe she talked to me like that and this and that and didn't tell me. So now I'm getting a phone call from somebody. This is what I'm talking about. So you're offended, but I told you the truth. You asked me a question. Now you're carrying that around and then carrying it to a whole bunch of people because your ego was i guess uh, uh, but what's your goal right? what's your goal? My goal is to win, right so you ask me a question, I'm giving you the tools to win. you don't like how it was re- don't win, and don't ask me anything. I'm good, I'm going to win, so that's so I'm bitching right now. you're not bitching no, I'm just playing, I'm playing, I'm joking. I gotta get <laughs> No, but I was using that as an example of you know how people don't deal with I I feel like you know if someone steps on your toe, you have to say ouch in a moment. Because most of the time people are stepping on your toes. They don't know they're stepping on your toes. They're not trying to step on your toes. Now, if they step on it and they grind it in, now you know. But if someone stepped on your toe, you you don't go and tell 50, 11 people someone stepped on, go to, excuse me, you stepped on my toe. I would appreciate it if you would acknowledge that. Say sorry so that I could feel okay about you. Otherwise, I'm not going to feel okay about you. You let them know that. And if you don't apologize, we're going to have a problem. I'm not going to mess with you anymore. And, you know, but you don't take it to everybody. Right. Totally get that. that. Even on the work, even in the workplace, even with your bosses, because that kind of toxic energy that you keep in or spew out will will be your undoing. All right, I'm done.
0: (laughs) Well, it's actually kind of related, I think, from the standpoint of you have so many ideas, you have so many platforms. A, how do you keep track of all of them? (laughs) And do you... Do you? How do you? Oh, let me rephrase this. How do I, I would imagine that you get a lot of ideas that you you generate a lot of ideas on your own and probably people pitch you ideas. How do you filter out the ideas that you are going to experiment with and say, yeah, let me give this a shot.
1: Um, that is a, a billion dollar question. I have no idea how how I filter, but I do, and I, I think. That maybe that's my my superpower, my gift, because I'm I'm wildly organized in a very disorganized way. Like, I'll sit here on a piece of paper. Like today, I have this. I shouldn't show you, but you know, I scribble, I circle, I got you know on the back of it, and then maybe maybe I'll um, put it in a spreadsheet afterwards. So I have like a stack of papers like that that uh, like last Saturday I went through and oh, so it was a canon and I'm, I'm creating a canon, a book list for a uh, narrative, like the hundred books everyone should read. So I had a bunch of them scribbled on different, for different times. And then I've like Saturday I started putting it in and I have people, people that people should know, but they don't know. So I have those on various different papers. So I actually on Saturday, put it all in an Excel spreadsheet with tabs on the bottom. Like I, I have to be in a mood though. But if I'm in a mood, I can stay up to, like I did, I stayed up till two o'clock in the morning and I finished all of that, mm-hmm. but it comes in waves. So I can't I, I can't even put myself on a schedule and it's like this spiritual, like supernatural thing that happens. Mm-hmm. So I can't really
0: explain to you, mm-hmm. but it all gets done. It's okay. amazing. Yeah, it's magic. As, as someone who's, who's outside looking in, it's amazing to see. Oh, it's magic. It is it is it is and i can't wait for the next when it's safe uh healthy wealthy and wise we're planning that
1: we actually we have uh, for march 2022 since you brought it up um and but my biggest thing right now is like how can we take over the whole place because i don't want to run into anybody i need us to be really safe I I need us to be away from people. I need us to not have anybody infect our environment on any level. I need to take over the kitchen. I need to take over the pool. I need to take over everything. Game night is gonna be lit. We need to have a virtual component because people want to play space, get their ass whooped and space online. So I'm working right now with this gaming company to figure out how we could do that. Like it's, but so I know everything that I want to get done. So now it's just about
0: getting it done. So who's on your, so, in terms of that, you're you you are the visionary. Is there one person that's an integrator across everything that you do, or do you have different integrators? More?
1: People, and, and this is new
0: for me because um I hate to even say this.
1: For and this is you know part of the evolution. I was too much of a control freak to let anybody else do anything. And so the walls would so my first business, Bear Stearns, gave me a million dollars. And it got so unwieldy. The magazine, I had a women's sports magazine that was dope during the Olympic season. We did the first, we were the very first to cover all women's sports around the clock. I had one kid, one of my former students from NYU, I think, or Hunter, who stayed up overnight writing, Lisa Dirks, I'll never forget, writing all of the pieces and making sure she had all of the scores in, in real time. And this is before, this is when websites cost like $300,000. I spent $300,000 for a website which was ridiculous. You think back now, Hey, where were you then? Somebody Build a contact management system so that, you know, she could post in real time. It was incredible, but I was editing. Um, I got like Rebecca Lobo uh, coming to the Hayden planetarium. Neil deGrasse Tyson allowed me to come there before they open to do a photo shoot for free. You know, I'm calling in all my chips. We're in Central Park with Cheryl Swoops on the rocks. I mean, doing glamour shots with with uh, gowns from Vera Wang. I mean, like it was a crazy. And I'm, you know, managing all of this. And it came time for the, you know, the, the partners to say, you know, you can't be CEO and editor in chief. You have to pick. And I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah, I'm in my 20s. I don't have to pick. I'm doing both of them. They're like, you have to pick. You can't run the business and right. be better in chief and do the vision and you, you right. can't do everything. Right. They were right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were. Lesson <laughs> uh, learned. Uh, so, in coming into narrative, which is going to be my life's work, um, I have crafted a team up. It's like the Avengers and they, and it came together spiritually so I can't take credit for it again it is magic, but it's magic from the sense that when you put something out into the universe it never returns void not a word, not an action it always comes back to you. So all of the years of putting out and I you know I'm not even thinking about it, but I realize now you put it out it comes back. I am magnifying myself through what I put out in the universe and now all of these amazing people are coming with the similar. Per, you know, not personality, because they're different. I had to cuss out a few people, but the the intention of everybody that's working with me right now is to get there, is to build this thing, is to put their brick down, is to put their name on the brick, is to make sure that 100 years, and that's my mind, my, my, 100 years after we're all gone, 1,000 years after we're gone, what we do today will still be here. Right, so right. what is it supposed to look like? What should that person 100 years from now know about this moment right here? And everything we do has to manifest for that person that we'll never know right so the team is amazing and i i couldn't have couldn't have, you know put it in the lab and come up with better people i mean i have a designer who's the brand well i guess i call him the brand genius who is doing stuff i couldn't even think to tell him to do you see what i'm saying so yeah. when people have ownership in an idea that you put out that's when you know you've won so I'm winning on people having ownership of a, a thought that I had, that they're helping to manifest every day. Now, I, I don't know how you do that. You know, I can't tell somebody, I can't write a write a book on how to do that <laughs> other than, you know, be good to people, but more, more than being good to people, you know, make sure that you leave room for people to find themselves in anything that you're doing to magnify the thing that you're doing, because none of this happens by none of this happens by you You can do nothing by yourself. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, So I learned that lesson early, thank God lost a million dollars, but it was an expensive lesson. But I learned next time I come into the space, um, I'm going to do it way differently. And, um, or we're not going to do it. And so every day I come in, like, as soon as this becomes something where we're we're building this four billion dollar evaluation valuation, so we can go sell it, and then we gotta we gotta watch these numbers. We're not doing any of that. We're building it. It's gonna take twenty years. It takes twenty years. I'm funding it myself. I'm funding myself. We don't have enough people coming in. I'll keep putting money in until we get to that critical mass because I know that those people are out there. Yes. It take them a minute, but we only yeah. want folks who does who understand what this is and appreciate you know,
0: they have to appreciate what we're doing. Right. So, yeah, I have a great team. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I work with one of those team members and she's fabulous. <laughs> she is really great. Um, and I'm going to presume that you've already answered this even just in this moment now, but given all of the accolades, right? Pulitzer Prize, uh, New York Times bestseller, and just all of the people whose path you've crossed, and even, you know, getting and losing a million dollars. <laughs> you know, not everybody gets to do that. Um, how do you stay
1: grounded? Uh, yeah, I busted my lip, my ass. I got um, bone chips on my booty. From, yeah, after the million dollars, they tried to come to take my personal computer. Like they wanted to sell, liquidate everything. I was like, bitch, I bought this computer. (laughs) (laughs) Come at your own peril. I wish you would. Show up if you want to. It it got real nasty and contentious. And then I was left with nothing. Fortunately, the Daily News loved me so much uh, that they actually, when I left, my um, boss at the time said, "Uh, I'm going to hold your spot for you. So he did. And so I was able to at least pay my mortgage. Um, And then I had a couple of people in the record industry hire me to do media training, which saved me. They don't know that they saved me, but you know, those dollars coming in, I, let me tell you. And then after I lost my radio show off the air for 10 years, it was crazy. And then going into publishing with a bad deal, right. Where I wasn't making any money Mm -hmm. producing all of these amazing books. And, you know, thank God for teaching, which is why, you know, to this day, Hunter College, thank you, Um, because that gave me the stability to be able to have a pension and, you know, um, a great salary and benefits and the things that would make you insecure in the world and making some crazy choices. I always tell people, don't put yourself in a situation where your finances are not tight enough that you're making strange choices for for change. Don't do anything strange for change. That allowed me. And then, you know, losing my job at MSNBC, losing that contract abruptly, you know, uh, on some political bullcrap. And then it also let me know at any point in time, somebody can come and change the trajectory. You know, you I have plans. You know what I'm saying? I had plans. I've done pilots. I was going to have my own TV show. I was going to do all of this stuff. And in this blink of an eye, it can all be taken away because some new person comes in, they don't like you. Or some new person has their own group of people. And you're like, I'm still dope. Hello, right. wait a minute, wait a minute. How did this happen? Right. Then you get grounded because it's like tomorrow is not promised. Any of this is not promised to you because you're amazing and you're brilliant and you're smart. It can all go away. So everything that I do is with that vision. I'm doing this not for now, for 10 years. I'm planting these seeds for 10 years from now, for 20 years from now. And every business that I do may not bear seeds now. Mm-hmm. I don't need them now.
0: Mm -hmm. 20 years
1: from now, though, they make because I'm planting good seed and good soil that's going to bear fruit and I know it will. So I can be patient. I don't need the millions of dollars now. I see I got people in my life with, you know, beautiful homes and swimming pools and all of that, which I have made a decision to not do because I did that too and lost it, you know, and you're like, okay, that could go away. You can love your home with the pool and the this and the that and the balcony on the golf course and you God, everybody's coming in, popping bottles and this partying, and and then it could go away. In the blink of an eye, people that you love can go away. So you appreciate everything that you're doing in the moment, know that it's not about you and know that it can all go away. And know that none of these people really, you know, these, these people who are saying your name and singing your praises now, tomorrow could be cursing you. So you don't put any faith in them either. You do not. People will disappoint you. Learn that the hard way. And then you just get up every day with gratitude, knowing that I'm doing something that I know is going to help somebody. Having Dr. Robin on the show today, I know somebody who might've been thinking about killing themselves may not do that because she said a word today. Mm-hmm. Somebody listen to Dr. Valerie Fitzhugh, talk about the intricacies of the vaccine and what it actually does and what it does not do. Cause she's an immunologist and a pathologist who studies this stuff. And maybe somebody got vaccinated today and won't catch COVID because of this show. And you know, that's good.
0: Yep. So yep. that keeps you grounded. Cause it's not about you. Right, <laughs> right. Totally. And also the other thing that I hear in, in, in the, experiences that you have had and the lessons that you've taken away from them goes back to what I mentioned at the top in this, this notion of um, ownership. You started off as a journalist, but when did you realize that you were also an entrepreneur? Was that because your dad was one? Always an entrepreneur.
1: I was okay. never really a journalist. I never uh,
0: thought, I okay. A journalist. I still, you know,
1: I have the skills, of I've always so I had a chicken business in college. <laughs> I had chicken business in in the basement of my dorm, which was very. <laughs> you were frying chicken in your dorm. In my dorm fried fried wings, cucumbers, because you got to have the green cucumbers and French fries. I don't know. It worked. It worked. Fried chicken. I went to Newark, got me a deep fryer, and went to the wholesale house, got the the bag of fries like the like McDonald's ones. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. This is and man orders, I had a car, we were delivering. I, I was in a you know college, a little college town. We had St. Elizabeth's, uh fairly I call it fairly ridiculous, fairly dickerson and Drew and I would be delivering until uh Rocco Pizzeria, I think they called the Board of Health on, on us, because we were <laughs> regal. I didn't have a health license to do that. Well super clean though, super clean, it was delicious. Um so- I always had a business, always, always was doing, even at the Daily News, I had a three-on-three uh, competition business that I, I had started. Actually, it was a two-on-two, <laughs> two-the-hoop, two, the number two-the-hoop. Uh-huh. Uh, I had uh, a magazine while I was at the Daily News. So for me, it was always about, and I think my father said to me, he wanted me to have a government job because he knew that um, my personality you know i'm very headstrong and he knew and i i guess inherently as a black woman this is not going to be taken very well by a lot of people right he's like you got to get you a good government job <laughs> so that you can get that <laughs> kitchen <laughs> <laughs> right i took that i understood at some point he was absolutely right because you know you're unconscious for a long time you don't know what people are talking about when they're saying things to you right. but i said the only protection i have is to build businesses so that I will have something to fall back on. So I'm at the daily news, let me build as much as I can while I have this job because if the job goes away, I have something to fall. So that has kind of been my layering to protect myself from the evils of the world. More so than ownership, like I don't need to own, but I need to have you know, opportunities and options. Okay. And you can only know if you try a bunch of stuff. So if you try a bunch of stuff while you're stable, while you have something, while you're under contract, while you're, if you try the things and they don't work, then there's no harm. Right, you right, know? yeah, know totally. while you ain't got, and then it's like, oh,
0: free fall. Ah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's keep- more than money. Yes, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna
1: say, I keep, I had a student ask me if I was Jamaican which was the most hilarious. And Professor Hunter, you are you Jamaican? Because you got all of these jobs. You know, I'm Jamaican, so that's hysterical. Black people work, stop playing. Black people got multiple jobs. I don't know what y'all are learning in your household. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, but it's it's self-defense more than anything.
0: So I love it. I love it. I love it. So given all of the experiences that you have had, what are some of the biggest or most important money lessons that you would want? The listeners of more than money to well let me rephrase it what are the biggest lessons that you've learned and then what would you want our listeners to take away from that
1: um I already said tomorrow's not promised mm-hmm. at the same time you may wake up and be here 100 years <laughs>
0: <laughs> well you know I was listening to something on NPR the other day and it said that um the person who's going to live to 150 has already been born.
1: Facts. I believe that.
0: I was just like,
1: whoa. (laughs) I believe that. I'm I'm planning on 120. So once I made up in my mind, I'm going to be here 120 years. I'm like 120 year old Karen is not eating cat food. She's not going to be dependent upon anybody to wipe her booty. She's not going to be in anybody's place to be abused. She's going to have her own. She's going to have everything that she needs set up. If she's got to be bionic, she's going to be able to afford all kind of bionic limbs. So hundred year old Karen needs to be rich. <laughs> so that means that, you know, 40 year old Karen needs to get busy, which means the decisions that I make, and I live very frugally, not very, cause I love nice things. So let me not lie, but I'm very mindful what I do when my check comes in, I put it all automatically into other things. So then I'm like, I got $32 in my checking account right now because I looked at it today I was like I got $32 oh you're serious yeah I'm dead serious got $32 about checking account because all my money goes into my investments into my things I can't touch bonds and everything stocks but I'm just it's out as soon as it comes in out so I'm like I got $32 until tomorrow I'll get paid tomorrow
0: <laughs> yep oh my god that's awesome that's awesome. Do you have a do you do you ever well, maybe you don't get concerned because you know that there there is money elsewhere, but do you ever get concerned when your balance gets to thirty two dollars? No, because the yeah, the money is somewhere if I need it, I can access right. money
1: right. You know, and I have you know a good deal in cash accounts or whatever, but my goal is to never have to touch it, right? Right so, right, right. That would make me mad, actually. You know, I, I put myself in a situation of constant lack so that I, when I am 70, 80, 90, 100, I'm not ever, I never, I've seen too many Black people in particular get older, have to depend on people, have to do things, have to get married to people that they don't like so they can be taken care of. i watched this happen because they don't, their kids treat them like trash, but they accept that because... They don't have a place to live and nobody wants to be at anybody's mercy. And true freedom is being able to make choices at every stage of your life. And that's so important to me. I don't have children. Not that if I had them, I wouldn't depend on them anyway because children, the children that I've seen, y'all don't act right towards your parents, most of y'all. But um, I just, I never want to be in a situation where I'm at somebody's mercy. That's big for me. Uh So the only way I can do that is to make sure that I'm, piled into the things. I wish I had done more of my 401k than in my 20s. I wish I had known the importance of that because the Daily News had a, an amazing plan and a credit union and all of that. I wish I had done those things.
0: Right. But now I know better, so. I know better. And now because you share that, you're helping somebody else do better as well. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Take
1: care of your 100 year old self. Make sure that
0: person is not eating cat food. So what words of wisdom Concerning money, business, life, all of it, one of it. <laughs> Do you have for our more than money listeners?
1: Hmm. Of wisdom.
0: I don't know. Um, hmm.
1: I think you know, the biggest thing that I'm every day, I pray uh, that. I operate in the Holy spirit. I'm going to say that. Um, And that doesn't mean that you're, you know, weak and soft, and nice and all of that. Just means that you are, you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought, but also you are considering that this world only functions well when we consider other people. Not first, I'm not saying you put people first, but consider my actions today. How do they, how do they impact somebody else? And if you go into the world with that, you know, like we're not here alone. And I think people feel like this is all about what I want, what I need. And yeah, you you can want and need a lot of things but this world doesn't function on individualism. It only functions collectively. It's, it's so much easier when we're all participating, when we're all doing something. Yeah. It just makes it so much easier. So that would be the thing, you know, do your part. Make sure that you're you're not just doing things for yourself and your people, your kids, and your
0: you know well, I thank you for seeing something <laughs> in me that made you say, "Hey, do you want to do this?" Um, so that I could uh, come into your world and do my part because I am also someone who strongly believes that none of our success is ever on our own effort alone, and um I really wanted to not only. Have this conversation with you as a way of celebrating the 100th episode, but also as a way to just publicly thank you. I really, really appreciate you. Well, you're welcome. And the reason why we are sitting here today is because of that spirit.
1: I, I only want to be equally yoked in everything that I do. Um, and that doesn't mean that everybody has to walk in lockstep, but we all have to have the same spirit and you have that. That was the thing that, that resonated, came off of you. You care about people. You want to see people successful. You want to see people win. And um, that's the kind of energy that we need more of. So uh, I'm grateful to be able to have a platform that you can be on. And my goal is that the platform gets bigger and bigger. So y'all subscribe, like, follow Jaquette, uh, every place that you can follow her and spread the word more importantly, because if you're fed, don't just be greedy.
0: Share that meal. (laughs) Pass that chicken. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, Karen Hunter, thank you so much for today. <laughs> thank you thank you for what you do, Jaquette. Love you. Love you too. Well, that is it for today's episode. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening all the way until the end. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Karen as much as I did having it. And before I sign off, Another person I want to shout out and give thanks to is Tremel McKenzie. Tremel, thank you so much for the magic that you work behind the scenes. I truly enjoy working with you week to week. All right, I'm going to sign off now. I'll be back next week with another episode. I hope you will too. If you'd like to show appreciation for this podcast or maybe even the 100th episode, please share it so that we can reach more people. And if you'd like to buy me a coffee, here's how you can do that. Buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Again, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Jaquette. Again, tremendous thanks for tuning in to today's show and to helping us to celebrate the 100th episode. Until next time, remember, it's about more than money.